From the Hype HQ studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's Startup Hype Man, the podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Raj Nation, and I am the founder of Startup Hype Man. Fast-growing startups work with me because they want to become better storytellers. Whether that's for customers, investors, or a packed audience, they know that story is their ticket to stand out, stand apart, and change the game. And this podcast here is where I talk with entrepreneurs and leaders in the startup ecosystem, ranging from scale stage to early stage, as they share specific strategies that they have executed to stand out across three specific areas, sales, marketing, and people. Before we begin today's episode, remember you can head to StartupHypeMan.com and subscribe to the newsletter that doesn't suck. You'll get new podcast episodes and timely reads written by me, but also helpful articles from around the web and a notice of upcoming pitch competitions. All right, let's dive in and hear how today's guest is changing the game. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way to the microphone from Nashville, Tennessee. He is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. Please welcome Brian Clayton. <laughs> Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. That was the best intro I've ever had on any interview I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to give you the hype as you walk into this interview. He is Brian Clayton, as I mentioned, CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. What is GreenPal? It's an online marketplace connecting homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for Lawn Care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 100,000 active users, completing thousands of transactions per day. Before getting into GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree, one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, growing it to over $10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. Brian is all about helping entrepreneurs, being an entrepreneur. He's all about figuring out, getting from that zero revenue to profitability. And he is joining us today for episode two of season 15 on Startup Hype Man, the podcast, to talk about something specifically related to what he has been figuring out over the last few years with GreenPal, and that is mastering SEO for marketplaces. Brian, welcome to the show. Why is this on your mind and why is this important to you? Well, first off, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. And uh, so why is uh, SEO for marketplaces on my mind? It's always on my mind. Ever since day one, I've been at this for seven years. And uh, we got our first 100 customers by passing out door hangers all over Nashville, Tennessee. And I realized real quick uh, that that wasn't a scalable user acquisition strategy. We had to figure out some kind of way to get traffic to the site, get people to try this thing out. And uh, we started talking to our, our customers and, and we would ask them, you know, how do you usually find a lawn care service? And they would say, well, I'd ask for friends and recommendations and well, and I'd call and leave them voicemails, but they wouldn't call me back. And a lot of times I'll just go to Google and I'll just search for somebody out of desperation. So we like tapped on that early on in the early days and thought, okay, well, then that's where we need to be. We need to be in search. And then we were greeted with the daunting challenge of what it takes to compete in organic search and started really unpacking that and teaching ourselves, uh, really myself and, and with the help of my co-founder, learning how to execute an SEO, learning the dynamics and the inner workings of how to compete in search and all the inputs that go into that and started realizing, holy crap, this is really hard. <laughs> this is like, what is this going to be worth it? And so we just started, started at it, started working on it. And here we are six, seven years later. 
uh, it wasn't until like year three that we really even got any momentum in search. And so uh, it's definitely a long game strategy. Um, but I think for every marketplace, uh, there needs to be like a big component of SEO, of organic search, organic traffic uh, to your marketplace, just because it just takes a lot of volume of liquidity to spark the, the interactions between your suppliers and, and your consumers. And uh, what you're having to pay for all that traffic, if you're having to hustle up all that traffic, you're probably never going to break out. For those of you listening who are expecting to tune into this episode to get the one key trick to get thousands of visitors one hour from now. I think Brian just dashed your hopes as he mentioned SEO is a long crawl. And what we're talking about really today is the strategy behind it and, and embracing the long crawl in the process. We're gonna dive a lot more into that in a few moments. Before we do that, let's learn a little bit more about you, Brian. So as I look at you on my Zoom screen right now, I see you're basically like busting out of your own t-shirt, which means you must place an emphasis on fitness in your life. What's your workout of choice? Oh, wow. So uh, yeah, fitness is core to my life. I feel like it goes into running a successful business. If you're in good shape, if your body feels good, then you're, you're going to bring that energy to work and your team is going to radiate off of that. And so for me, that's a big part of my life. For me, I, I like weightlifting. I like uh, martial arts. I, I run because I have to. Uh, so basically between those three things, just running, jogging, lifting weights and martial arts. You know, it's interesting that you start there. You mentioned it's fitness is so important to running a business. I couldn't agree more. I also teach yoga in addition to uh, running Startup Hype Man. And so I'm very much into the whole uh, idea of maintaining and, and preserving your own wellness at all times. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs who know that it's true, but it's also the first thing that they are willing to sacrifice to build their companies. And I know I've, I even have spells where that happens too. Do you have any advice for how to keep it a priority aside from, well, it is going to help you grow your company? Because I think everyone knows that, but they still push it to the side. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, like four quadrant matrix, it's like in the important but not urgent category. And so it's one of those things that like you can ignore for a while, but but it's going to come back and the debt, the bill is going to come due. And for me, that actually happened to me. Uh, starting GreenPal, my two co-founders and I were just grinding so hard on this thing. And we were just working like seven days a week, 80, 100 hour weeks. And to your point, fitness uh, was the first thing that I, that I let go by the wayside. And I put on 90 pounds uh, over the course of a year and a half. And I just woke up one day and I felt like crap. I didn't have any energy. And I was just like, man, I've got, I've got to do something about this. And so I signed up for a marathon. Uh, now my, my co-founder <laughs> wasn't in as bad a shape as me, but, uh, it was his idea. And so I, I kind of took his lead and, and we signed up for a marathon in like, it was three or four months out and we just started running every day and started getting better and better and better. And I did that in conjunction with a good diet. I was able to start working the weight off and training for that marathon I was able to like draw a lot of parallels between running a marathon and running a business there's just so many lessons you learn training for your first marathon that you can apply to business whether it's just consistency and determination and momentum and just to keep moving like there's so many lessons I learned running that first marathon that I was like holy crap year one year two in this business I'm like this is exactly what this business is going to be like it's going to be a marathon and, and as it turns out it has been you know we're the definition of a seven-year overnight success so <laughs> I, I think if you're going to like be crazy enough to start a business particularly 
particularly a tech startup, and even crazier, you want to start a, a tech-enabled marketplace, you need to look at it like a marathon, and you got to keep your vessel in, in tuned up in good shape because you're, you're going to be at this for a while. Yeah, I, I'm glad you touched on that because I was going to ask what are the parallels between training and running a business, but you covered it right there. Um, and I think it's interesting you mentioned that you had that day where you woke up and you're like, I feel like crap, I'm 90 pounds overweight, uh, or, or I've gained 90 pounds. Um, it reminds me a few years back on this show, I had uh, Joe Parisi, who is the CEO of a company called Guard Llama that was actually uh, on Shark Tank and got an investment on the show. And we talked a little bit about the health aspect of things. And he had brought up then that he had previously hit a point where he overworked himself so much that one day he actually couldn't get out of bed. And when he finally could and went to go see a doctor, the doctor had told him that he no longer had a fight or flight mechanism in him. So he was like, if a tiger came and attacked you, you would literally just stand there because your body wouldn't have any, uh, what's the, uh, adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have any adrenaline <laughs> to make a decision. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so if anything else, maybe it's to prevent tiger attack, which is, yeah, dude, it, it's wild. It's wild. It, it, in my head too, I have, I can't get any traction on this idea, but I'll toss it out here again. Uh, I, I equate like SEO and the mechanics of it to weight loss. Like, in, in, if you're trying to lose 100 pounds, like the first month, three months, six months is almost like an exercise of faith. Like you are doing all of these things. You are grinding and like doing everything perfectly and you are seeing no results at all. You don't look any different. The scale doesn't tell you any different. You don't feel any different. And like the first month of dieting is just is, is like, man, I'm doing all this, but I, I'm still fat. Um SEO is the same way except for it's like the first year, two years. Like, like you are, you're writing all these blog posts. You're getting all these backlinks. You're doing all of this outreach. You're, you know, your site speed, you got it from like a D to an A. Like you've done all of this stuff and like there's still no traffic. What the hell? So it's like in business, SEO, whatever, like there is like an initial cold start uh, situation that you have to get over and you just have to have the faith that you're doing the right things day in, day out. It'll pay off. That provides a good transition into GreenPal itself. I mentioned in your introduction that you had a successful landscaping company, which you sold. So, you know, obviously you've got, you've got the landscaping, lawn care, uh, you know, lawn property maintenance background already in you. What makes you decide I'm selling this business and rather than resting on my laurels for a while, I'm going to dive right back in and I'm going to figure out, a, you know, a way I can introduce tech into the equation. Talk, talk us through the Green Pal origin. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, built that first company uh, from just myself and a push mower to over 150 people. No revenue to $10 million in revenue in over a 15-year period of time. And learned a lot about business, learned a lot about how to build and grow and sell a company, all doing it the hard way first and, and the wrong way first and, and then figuring out the right way. And uh, sold that company and I effectively retired. Like, I, I didn't have to work anymore. And I, I learned something about myself that for me, like my business is like the vessel is the thrust that, that brings me happiness. Like it is the thing that brings me joy. I'm wired to love business. I love being a part of a team that's, that's like doing something interesting. I love uh, 
building something and seeing it grow. And so the idea for Green Pal was one that I, I had for a long time. I just saw every day how inefficient this whole thing operated and, and how it was hard for a homeowner to find a good lawn mowing service. And so the idea for Green Pal was like there. And I thought, okay, well, I, I see Uber and Lyft crushing it, Airbnbs crushing it. I, I can do that too. And that naivete is, is what seduced me into the game. <laughs> so like, I come to the table and I recruit two co-founders and, and we start working on this thing. And like, we didn't know the first damn thing about writing software or designing software or distributing software, how to architect a marketplace or any of these things. Didn't know how to do any of it. And uh, we pulled together our money, about $150,000, and we paid a development agency in Nashville to build the first version of GreenPal. And then we launched it and it was a total utter flop. It was a failure. Uh, we couldn't, we, nobody could figure out how to use it. It was a piece of crap. It barely worked. Um, but we didn't give up. And we, and like I was telling you earlier, we passed out something like a couple hundred thousand door hangers all over Nashville, Tennessee to try to get a few hundred people to use this damn thing that we just spent all this money on. And we were able to validate that, okay, this is a good idea. This is something that we need to keep pressing on and keep working on. And we just went into the lab and like didn't come out of the office for three years. Like we literally just worked our asses off, not only in the business, but, but on the business and on ourselves, like learn, having to learn how to write code, how to design software, how to tackle distribution and, and, and things like search and self taught ourselves over a three, four year period of time, how to do these things. And then we were able to build a team around us after we were self executing them. So let me, let me dig into that a little bit more because you mentioned you, you did the door hanger method and you passed out thousands of those. There are several things that are involved in building up a marketplace or building up any company really. But when you think about gaining a foothold and gaining traction, there is digital marketing and SEO. You know, there's, there's PR, right? There's putting money into like Facebook ads. You could do that. Uh, you could choose to buy a lead list and cold contact a bunch of people. So what was that point that made you say, you know what, we actually need to have SEO be a part of this strategy and not only be a part of this strategy, but we need to actually put in a ton of effort and prioritize it. Yeah, great question. One of my favorite books is uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, Dr. Stephen Covey, and he yeah. talks about your circle of concern, which is everything that's happening, and then your circle of influence, which is a little circle inside of that. And so your circle of concern is all of this crap, and like it's everything that you really can't do anything about, and then your circle of inf influence is much, much smaller, but it's something that you can act in, and you can do something in it. And so I don't advocate um, startups like Pass Out Door Hangers that acquire users, but I do advocate that they act in their circle of influence. And so for us, it was the one damn thing that we could do to get a few hundred people to try this thing, to get to the next level of the video game, so to speak. Like it was the one thing we could do to get some feedback from some users. It was the one thing we could do to, to validate the idea. And so we did it. Um, and so to your question, like, in my, like I got bit by a dog like twice and I think it was like after the second time I was like I'm not doing this anymore you mean like in going to put on a door hanger Hell, like yeah <laughs> yeah I got bit by a dog and I started I realized like okay uh 12 customers per dog bite is not a scalable user acquisition strategy <laughs> we got to figure out a way to, to market this damn thing and so you got to think I'm coming from like a traditional analog business uh I had a sales team and like that we didn't do SEO and so like but we did. Meet okay, so interesting. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. But your previous successful company, you weren't. You were 
doing kind of boots on the ground and more offline mechanisms, you were not coming in with a big SEO background at all, no. or really any SEO background. No, no. Okay, go ahead. And so like, the only like lessons learned from that first company was like how to build a team, how to lead, how to manage, and, and maybe like some of the of, like uh, analog like issues that existed in the, in the vertical, mm -hmm. but none of the digital, uh, skills transferred and so all of this had to be learned the hard way like just through trial and error and so we were talking to our users and they mentioned that they use search to find somebody if they you know as a last case result resort and so we were like okay that's when we started hitting on it okay well how the hell do we market on google and we started experimenting on adwords and like just got our clock cleaned uh in adwords like acquiring users for like 500 dollars and, and stuff like that and I'm so like a, we were like, like a 40 dollar okay, job right yeah right yeah we can't <laughs> this ain't gonna work uh, we're gonna go broke real quick doing this and then we thought okay well how do we compete in organic and and then you know we're looking at like thumbtack yelp uh facebook like they're popping up at the top uh, for for these queries like how can we do this better than they are and how can we reverse engineer what they're doing and really just got in there and tried to figure it out and it took about a year uh, but after a year of, of learning it and executing against just the, the 10 things that go into there's a there's hundred things but like the 10 that we could do um, and we started to see some momentum and we started to see okay we're getting some traffic and at that time we were only operating in Nashville because not only were we having to work on this SEO thing, we we're also having to work on the product of like the actual push a button, get the lawn mode needed to work. And for the longest time, it didn't. It was just like our crappy product and intercom in the lower right hand corner. And like you, people would try to do some stuff and it wouldn't work. The guy wouldn't show up and he would hit us up on intercom. And then we would like hand crank the transaction and mm. make it work. And so for many years, it was like a balancing act of like get getting customers and keeping them and doing those things at the same time and just hustling our way through that until we could build, build out some processes around what it was we were trying to do. Well, one of the things you mentioned was about the, kind of like the analog nature of the, of the your previous business and then even as you got green pal off the ground and as i think about this the you know lawn care landscaping property maintenance etc right it's a profession that's been around for a long time and it's largely even you know here in the year 2020 it's largely still an offline cash business for many companies in the industry uh and I think that's actually the case. The idea of offline cash business is the case with a lot of emerging tech marketplaces. They're having to like convert a behavior, so to speak. So how do you, I guess, make that tr mental transition to say, not only are we investing our time and money into SEO, but we actually believe that this industry that is used to doing things you know, person comes to your house, knocks on your doorbell afterwards and says, you know, I need my 60 bucks for your lawn and they pay him three Andrew Jacksons, right? What makes you have, uh, you know, kind of have that wherewithal to say, we can actually take this online and we believe people are searching for this online and we can own that space. Yeah. Uh, so to your point, yes, our biggest competitor, even to this day is status quo. Anywhere in the United States, you can sign up on GreenPal and get five quotes in less than a minute and hire somebody to come mow the yard today or tomorrow. It is flat out the easiest way in the world to get this done. But 
people still will just do it the hard way. They will call around and leave 10 voicemails and they will wait for somebody to show up just to give them a damn estimate. And then they'll hire them and they won't even show up or forget to mail them a bill or charge them twice what they agreed to. Like all of this, this crap still exists. And that is still like how 98% of the, the lawn, the grass gets cut in the United States, even though there's us and two or three other uh, players in this vertical. And so to your point, yes, that is the biggest competitor is status quo. So, so for us, we had to like really, really like niche down and focus on mm. who, who would use this, who would try this out? Cause it's a new way to do it on both sides of the transaction. And so on the supply side, on, on the lawn pro side, we, we recruited everybody we could from Craigslist because anybody that's going to advertise their business on Craigslist is hustling. They want more customers and they, they'll get them by any means necessary. And so we would dial for dollars on Sundays because that was the only day we could get people on the phone and we would, we would uh, recruit them to the platform. On the demand side, on homeowners that use our platform, uh, we were able to figure out really quickly uh, when we were passing out door hangers that we came to the problem with the assumption that it would be people in like affluent parts of town, that it would be people that live in million dollar plus neighborhoods. Uh, and what we learned really quickly that that wasn't our user. It was the homeowner on the working class side of town mm -hmm. who might be like dual income, like a household income of 60 grand, but they like, they just don't have time to mow their yard because they're working so much or like they've realized by the time they pay somebody to cut their grass and buy a lawnmower, they could just like, they're making less than minimum wage. And so we learned that really quickly that our value proposition really uh, is, is, is channeled more towards people like making it accessible to people who normally couldn't afford or couldn't, or didn't, couldn't get somebody to cut their grass, like making it cheaper, better, more reliable and faster for, for that type of user than the person that, that is spending like thousands of dollars on their lawn and landscaping. Like our user is the person that's spending hundreds of dollars and there's tens of millions of them. That's who we, we did learn really quick that we had to go after. And so that person is much more inclined, like even like it's, they're more like, typically more like millennial based. So they're more inclined to try uh, a, a digital product to get this stuff done. And as time went on, there, there were other use cases for getting like, like real world commerce done, you know, like bigger apps, uh, like Instacart, DoorDash, uh, Postmates, like this stuff has, has helped condition the, right, the, the populace right. to, to get chores done digitally. And so we've kind of ridden that wave a little too, but in the summer of 2014, it was hard. Yeah. I was just thinking as you were saying that, that I think timing plays a big role here in that like society is being conditioned towards a gig economy. And you mentioned millennials. I think if there's one thing you could say about millennials, it's that if we can pay someone to do something for us, we will. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and more and more millennials now are becoming, you know, are entering the homeowner phase, uh, which makes sense that they become more and more of your customer base. Now, in your SEO strategy, what did you start to find were the keywords you could optimize for? What were those search phrases that you said, hey, we need to own this? And, then, and, and what was that process like? It's a good question because in any SEO strategy, like keyword research is table stakes and like understanding what are the keywords I need to be going after and what are the ones I can compete in and what are the ones that I don't need to chase right now because I can't. And and then also for us, there's another like like dynamic, like another layer to that. It's also local. So it's like all those keywords at, and it's at a local level. So for us, you know, it's almost remarkably simple for us. Like 
like a lot of startups or a lot of businesses will have to go over like 5,000 different keyword combinations. And for us, it's not really that much. It's, it's landscape maintenance near me, lawn mowing service near me. Uh, area, lawn, right. Yeah. Lawn cutting, affordable lawn cutting service, uh, grass cutting service, Cleveland, Ohio, like these types of keywords and key phrases are what we optimize against. And, and in the early days, you know, you, you had to build out like individual landing pages for damn near like all of them. And now Google's gotten so good at, at understanding the semantic relationship between keywords that if you build one really good piece of content and, and, and target it against satisfying the query on one key phrase, Google understands that, that grass cutting and yard maintenance and lawn mowing are kind of the same thing. It sounds like there's a significant emphasis on that second half of the search phrase, which is the geography related part of the search, the near me, in my area, Cleveland, Ohio, right? Um, do you believe that in order to be successful in an SEO strategy, uh, it's really about owning, even if you're a national brand, if you get your marketplace to national markets, it's about owning the local market in every market you're in, not just being a ubiquitous kind of search term. Yeah. If you're a marketplace like ours that is geographically constrained, absolutely. Like if there is a geographic limit to like what you service, um, then you do have to compete on a local level. If you're in a local-based marketplace like we are, there's a geographical limit to the network that we create. And so for starters, like every single city has to be built from the ground up. So we can't just launch, turn it on nationwide. We have to go to Toledo and like launch in Toledo. We have to go to Tampa, Florida and launch there. And SEO is a part of that. And so let's say you sell like the best like backpack that's handmade uh, and like you want to sell backpacks. That's a different SEO strategy than if you like have the best backpacking tour guide service in Jackson Hole, right. Wyoming. Right. And so like a lot of it might even be like a distinction between like face-to-face -face services uh, because those have to happen on a local basis and also like product level types of SEO. And so there are overlaps and a lot of the things that, that you have to do uh, for, for product level SEO also applies to local, but there's a whole nother set of challenges around garnering local signals uh, for this content to rank locally. So part of that is, is like site-wide, but also part of that is like at a local level. So like when we go to launch Wichita, Kansas, you know, we're doing all of the stuff to create content around the best lawn care companies in Wichita, Kansas, but also uh, like we have a person on our team, a co-founder of our business that handles nothing but PR. And so he's reaching out to, to Fox, ABC, CBS, uh, the newspaper in Wichita, all of these media outlets to, to pitch them on the idea of, Hey, the, the Uber for lawn, lawn mowing is coming to Wichita. Do you want to talk about it? And a lot of times they do. And so he will literally fly there, especially like pre COVID. And we will like, we will have an interview between a service provider, a homeowner and say, Hey, here's how it works. Here's how you can get this done. It's pretty, pretty neat. And we've done that like hundreds and hundreds of times all over the country to build out these markets from the ground up. And so like, PR is great just by itself, but PR also influences our SEO strategy to garner those local signals, garner the link authority to, from this like, authoritative domain to ours, and also help drive the, the rank uh, for, that, for those local pages. 
You are listening to Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'm here today with Brian Clayton, the CEO of GreenPal. We're talking about mastering SEO for marketplaces. Now, Brian, a couple of questions I have off of your response right there. One of them starts with a comment, but in our last episode, we had uh, Steve Pockeras, the CEO of Verbly on, and the topic was scaling a labor-driven marketplace. And in his case, Verblio is a uh, tech-enabled platform to get uh, content writers for your company, which is not, like there's no geography necessary for that. That person can live in Alaska if your company operates in Wyoming. So in in their case, like you mentioned, the SEO strategy does not have anything to do with, you know, content writers near me because I don't think anyone's searching for uh, a near me when they're looking for content for their website. There's probably rare cases, but for the most part, if you need your lawn mode, you need someone who can get there relatively quickly, not live in Nashville and the person li- person who's going to mow lives in Chicago is going to drive eight hours to get to you. <laughs> yeah, to that point, it's like not even like, it's not even Atlanta, Georgia. It's Alpharetta. It's Smyrna, Georgia. It's like Jones Creek. It's not Los Angeles. It's Hollywood. It's West Hollywood. It's yeah. Venice. It's Santa Monica. It's like just because somebody's in Santa Monica doesn't mean they can cut your grass in Beverly Hills. And so, like, we have to, like, take it all the way down to the neighborhood level uh, in order to, to drive these connections. And so that, yeah, makes, and it, I mean, it makes it pretty difficult. Well, I even think about how I search for things, right? I, I live in Chicago, and the neighborhood that I live in is in West Loop, and my office here where you see me now is in Pilsen. And if I'm, you know, in an hour, if I need to go find lunch, I go on Google on my phone, and I look up, like, sandwiches Pilsen or like sandwiches near 18th street. If I'm at my house and we're trying to, you know, it's like a Saturday morning, I'm looking up coffee shops open in West loop, right? It's not coffee shops open in Chicago because I don't need something that's in Chicago, but four miles away. Yeah. Pretty much irrelevant. (laughs) That makes me think here. How do you like temper against, I'll give you an example. I've had someone reach out to me before trying to figure out their own SEO. And they, the question they've asked me is, hey, if you were looking for something like this, what would you type into Google? And the way I had to respond was like, okay, well, here's what I think I would type, but I think this is also tainted by the fact that you asked me what I type. And so now my immediate thought process was trying to think of what would a search phrase be that would help you as opposed to what might I naturally type if I really was looking for the thing. So this is what I find is, um, I have very limited SEO knowledge, but this is what I kind of feel like is almost like the trap of it is you can't just ask someone, hey, what would you search? And I do know you can look up what are common trending phrases and keywords, but what do you feel is the right strategy? Like, is it appropriate to ask people what, what they would search? Or do you think that actually creates a biased answer? I think it's definitely both. Um, I think that you can never go wrong talking to early adopting users and customers. Like that is in, in their first year of a business, that's almost never time poorly spent. And so a lot of times when you're talking with these first dozen or handful of people that have tried your service or product out, you ask them, okay, well, found us on Google. Like, do you mind, what do you remember searching for? And a lot of times they can tell you and there's some mm. like insights there. And so for us, like it was, understanding, okay, people are searching for the cheapest grass cutting service or affordable uh, lawn mowing service. And so we, we do some uh, Google AdWords and some uh, Facebook campaigns. And so what we've been able to do is like 
look at that, those trends and also look at census data and understand, okay, this is the part of town that's more working class than this part of town. So we adjust our copy to say the cheapest grass cutting service in East Nashville. Uh, because East Nashville is kind of an up-and-coming working-class part of town. And so a lot of those nuances you can glean from talking to early adopting users and, like, getting to a starting point. And then, yes, you can get under the hood and Google uh, – webmaster tools and look at what other phrases people are stumbling onto your site with. And that'll kind of give you some insights. The other thing you can do is, is like take the thing that you think it is uh, like if it's a best handmade backpack to use our earlier example and type, put that into Google and then under suggested searches at the bottom, Google will tell you what other people are, are searching for. And that'll kind of help give you some idea around, okay, this is, this is, I need to build like this kind of uh, guide or I need to build uh, this kind of, of content. Right. And so um, without getting too deep on the rabbit hole on, on SEO tactics, that, that's some ways that you can like get closer to your customer's logic and, and like get out of your own logic, which is hard to do, but like go, by starting with talking to people and then like getting under the hood on some of these tools, you can get closer to it to where it's almost a no brainer. You know, the, the, the traffic that you're, that you're going after and you know the terms that you're going after. I think the key from what you just said is that if you're going to talk to your customer base or even your target audience, if they're not your customers yet, what you said is that I want to highlight is ask them to recall or reflect on past behavior not hypothesize on potential future behavior. Right. Right. You said, hey, do you remember what you searched when? Not, hey, what do you think you would search if? Right. Yeah. People are remarkably terrible at reflecting <laughs> on what they would do or what they think they are doing. Like they can only, you can only observe them on what their behavior is or, or try to get them to re recall what they did do. I mean, we all, we all are terrible at that. And so that's why feedback a lot of times from like, you know, there be coach, coaches, friends, uh, you know, it's a lot of times it can steer you down the wrong channel. So you almost never can go wrong with talking to somebody who's tried out your product or would like to use it or just looking at the raw data and letting that inform your decision and, and, and not like going off the opinions of, of others because a lot of times that can steer you in the wrong path. Mm. One thing we haven't talked about yet is like the, the SEO mix, because you have like, you know, there's keyword optimization, there's Google AdWords, there's content marketing as well, right? Like writing SEO driven pieces of content to, like, and driving people to those landing pages. What is that mix like, or at least what has it looked like for GreenPal? Have you focused more on keywords? Have you had a more blended approach? Give us some insight there. Yeah. So if you are going to be, uh, I don't want to say crazy enough, but if you're going to be crazy enough to, to want to compete in organic search, it's going to be a bet the company decision. It's going to be one where in the early days, it's like, okay, if there's a pie chart of the stuff we're doing, SEO is a big part of that pie. And it just really is because it's going to require so much of the bandwidth of the company and the business to do well at it. So if you want to put like SEO into two or three buckets, I mean, there's links to your website. And then there's, there's the, the site itself and the content that you're creating. So like great quality content and links are two of the main drivers. And so you say, well, there's only two. Well, the, the, the problem is, is that like a backlinking strategy 
is just really, really, really daunting to execute. Uh, so it, it could be that you have invested all of this time and effort in creating the best like guide for uh, backpackers in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it, like it took you a month to write it, and it is the best guide for all the trails in Jackson Hole, and uh, and it looks great. Designer made it, and you've got like ten thousand dollars of your money in this one piece of content, and you launch it. It's going to be crickets because you're going to have to. Go, do outreach around that. You're going to have to talk to bloggers that, that are covering this kind of stuff. Maybe the news media in, in Wyoming, uh, all of these people that might be interested into it because you need them to link to it. And you have to do that over and over and over and over again for a very long period of time until your domain builds up some authority and Google starts to understand, okay, this is not a brand new website. Like, uh, the, the, the ABC outlet in, in Wyoming covered it. This influential blogger covered it. Uh, REI uh, put a link to it. Uh, so, so this is actually an authoritative website. So now I'm going to show it uh, against these keywords. So, and so like, that's like the table stakes for executing an SEO strategy. And it just takes time. It takes like time for it to like cook in the crock pot, but it also takes time to execute it. It takes a lot of time and effort to create these resources. It takes a lot of time to, to do the outreach. You know, my co-founder uh, who has head of PR, he emails a hundred journalists a day, five days a week. Wow. And he's been doing that for five years. And so <laughs> if you or somebody on your team is not willing to do a hundred cold outreaches a day for backlinking, then don't think you're going to compete in SEO because that's what it's going to take. You're going to have to have somebody grinding out that level of outreach and not just outreach for outreach sake, outreach against a quality asset. And that's why it's hard and that's why it's valuable. And that's, that's kind of the reality of it that nobody really wants to talk about, but it's going to take somebody like grinding it out and, and, and several people. And so in the early days, you're maybe be a two or three person startup. If you think you're just going to put SEO in the bucket for user acquisition, you need to understand that that's going to be as much bandwidth as building the product itself. Yeah. You mentioned table stakes. Let's, I just want to quickly ask a little bit more about that in terms of a budget to get going with an SEO strategy, right? I think um, GreenPal has been bootstrapped, but I think you're in a fortunate position that you sold your previous company and had some founder cash to put into this company. What kind of a budget does someone need to be looking at to get started with an SEO strategy? Yeah. Yeah. So to your point, uh, selling my first business, I did retire, but I had made just enough on that business to like be like middle class. Like, oh, um, interesting. I, I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't balling or anything uh, like I, that. Okay. I apologize for mischaracterizing. <laughs> so, and so for me, like it wasn't like I could come to Green Pound and dump a million bucks in it and not care. Like I needed that million bucks like bad. Like I, I couldn't like, <laughs> so what I didn't want to do is, is I didn't want to be like daddy Warbucks. And, yeah. <laughs> and come to the table and say, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, I'll just cut another check. So the initial like seed <laughs> capital I put in, but also my co-founders did out of their 401ks and credit cards and stuff oh, like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, so that's that. I mean, that's, that's really like raw and true bootstrapping. Then. It, yeah. yeah. It was zero. We started from zero and like 100,000 on the credit card. Like that's how we got rolling. <laughs> And, uh, and so in the early days, as far as like budget, like a lot of people are like, well, I'll just outsource the SEO. Well, okay, a couple problems. You kind of need to self-execute these things for a while so you can understand how they work and understand what goes into them. And that way you can like uh, call BS when somebody's BSing you. To that point, you need to like do this stuff yourself, write the content, do the outreach, and then start to peel away the layers of the functions that go into it. And you can outsource that from a position of like stewardship. And so like, so from budget, it's, you can start with a zero budget. 
you can, but you're going to have to do it all yourself. I had a crazy high school teacher that uh, in, in high school that taught ecology. I'll never forget this. He rode his bike to work every day for 20 miles and like he didn't wear deodorant. He stunk and like, and we would make, we would kind of poke fun at him. He was a really good guy. And like, and then we were like, what, you know, Chuck, why do you r- drive your bike to work? Why don't you drive a car? And he says, well, I get 20 miles to the peanut butter sandwich. And I, so that always just stuck with me. And so, like, in the early days, like, your SEO is going to be, like, 10 backlinks to the peanut butter sandwich. It's like you, you know, like, you doing it. Like, if you're going to bootstrap, it's going to be you doing, like, all of this stuff. And, and like, on the nights and weekends, maybe yeah, after your full-time job or whatever. Um, it'll pay off, but it's definitely an exercise of faith in the early days. <laughs> 20 miles to the peanut butter sandwich. I like that <laughs> he was crazy, man. <laughs> Let me ask you one more question then before we begin our wrap up. Um, if a marketplace company is going to get involved in this kind of a strategy or if a founder of a marketplace company wants to adopt this, what's your advice in the sense of what is one mistake they should make sure they don't make or, or, or avoid or perhaps a better way to ask it would be don't adopt this kind of strategy if yeah um couple things one like i mentioned a minute ago don't delegate too quick uh mm-hmm. self-execute for a year or more and and learn how this stuff works and do it yourself and then and then delegate from a position of authority but the other thing is is like understand when it comes to seo and really pretty much everything there is no shortcut if somebody's like, if you do not take my first point of advice and you try to like delegate too quick and somebody's like, yeah, we can scrape this content and we can do this and get all these backlinks and you know, you'll be here in a matter of a month. That is total utter bull crap. That is not how this works. And so like, understand that, like don't uh, delegate too quick and understand there is no shortcut to winning in organic search. Then one quick question to dovetail off that would be, what is your stance on hiring an SEO agency to handle it on your company's behalf? Ideally, um, you're not hiring one agency to do everything because there's so much to it that I don't know of an agency that could literally, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there are, but you probably can't afford them if you're bootstrapping. I mean, at least that's been my experience. So ideally, like you would hire a kick-ass content creator. And then you would hire like a really good designer to make that look pretty. And then you would hire somebody who's really good at PR to like do outreach to the media. And then you would hire somebody who's really good at cold outreach for backlinking to try to get some backlinks driven to it. Like you would take SEO and break it down to into this, into it's like, and, and there's so much more than just that, but that's like the four or five things that's how I would approach it. It'd be like saying, uh, it'd be like making the mistake I made eight years ago and hiring a digital agency to build like a marketplace product. There's so much that goes into it. There's user experience, there's design, there's the mechanics of the marketplace, there's front end engineering, there's back end engineering, there's sysadmin, there's, there's all of this stuff that like, it's hard to find just one shop to do it all and do it well. So ideally you self execute this stuff for a while, understand how it works. And then you can like hire like a freelancer to work 10 hours a week on, on certain aspects of it. Let's from there. That's a really good point that you just made. Um, and I think it kind of speaks to what you previously said, which was don't delegate too soon. 
and when you do delegate, be able to do it from that position of, I mean, you said authority. I think what more so what you mean is like some base knowledge, yes. not just farming out the knowledge at the start and then hoping everyone else gets it right. Right. Let's transition now into our wrap up. Brian, where can our listeners uh, find you, find GreenPal and learn more? Yeah, anybody listening to this that doesn't want to waste time cutting their grass, you can use GreenPal. Uh, just download it in the App Store or Play Store. Uh, anybody wants to get at me, hit me up on LinkedIn, or you can email me, brian at yourgreenpal.com. To wrap up, we will each give our top one or two lessons or takeaways from our conversation today. Um, I'll go first, then I'll toss it to you. The topic today was mastering SEO for marketplaces. Um, I'll say two things. One, uh, I have to steal what you said and what your friend Chuck said, which was uh, understand this is, it's, it's a long game and you, you gotta, you're getting 20 miles to the peanut butter sandwich, at least out of the gate and out of the gate, meaning probably a couple of years. Uh, the other thing too, that I think is a big takeaway for me, which I feel like what's interesting today with, with what you presented us was you almost provided like a cautionary tale more than like an inspiring call to arms, which I think is good for people to hear. So it's almost like you, you've dissuaded a lot of people in, in a good way, right? I tell you this because I work with a lot of early stage startups um, who are trying to raise capital. And some of them, when I ask about their go-to-market strategy, they just kind of blanket say, oh, SEO, but they can't say anything beyond just saying, oh, SEO. And I think what you've just provided for us is you have got to really know what that, what you mean when you say, oh, we're going to do SEO. Exactly. And it's not my intention to dissuade anybody. I want as many people to, to jump into the, in the arena as, as they can, um, but understand uh, what's, what's going to be involved. Uh, and really to have a healthy dose of, of naivete, but, but to also understand, okay, yeah, wow, this is going to be a lot of hard work. Anything else you want to add as a final takeaway for the audience? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, right now with, with COVID going on, like uh, if, if it's hurt your business, my heart goes out to you. Like, don't give up. That's the way to win. Like, look at this as an infinite game, as just one that you're not going to be in for three years, but maybe for the rest of your life. And that's the way you're going to win and the way you're going to come out of this is just to not give up. My final question, which is how we end every episode on this show. Brian, fill in the blank. Entrepreneurship is blank adventure say more on that it's an adventure uh because it is the thing that causes me to like level up it's the thing that causes me to get out of bed it's the thing like i am a completely different person uh today than i was seven years ago when i when i was crazy enough to start this company and so for me it's like the thing that like causes you to do things you never would have done uh to try things you never would have done to master skills you never would have even been interested in and so like i love the adventurous part of it the unknown and also just the, the forcing function that causes me to like develop as a person and, and it, to become a better man he is Brian Clayton. He is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today and enlightening all of us on SEO here on Startup Hype Man, the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. That wraps up today's conversation. Did you like what you heard? Startup Hype Man, the podcast is available on every major platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. So be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and leave a rating and review. Do you want to be an upcoming guest on the show? Email media at startuphypeman.com with your idea and my team will review. 
Our theme song is Change the Game by Jay-Z, all rights owned by Rockefeller and Def Jam Records. And hey, if you want to work together on making your startup story the only one that matters, email me at rajiv at startuphypeman.com. That's R-A-J-I-V at startuphypeman.com. Well, that'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to today's guest for joining. You have been checking out Startup Hype Man, the podcast. I'll catch you next week. But in the meantime, word up, raise up.